Praise the Lord. You are listening to a word from the Lord, a radio and internet ministry of the Refuge Temple Church of Burlington, North Carolina. Refuge Temple Church is located in the heart of Burlington, NC at 152 North Main Street. Our pastor is Bishop Reginald J. Davis. Refuge Temple Church is a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, multicultural ministry ordained by Jesus Christ to serve him, his kingdom, and the community from Main Street to the world. We welcome you to join us now for anointed music and the word of God. Your Bibles and remain standing with me if you're in the sanctuary to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter number three, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 14, Ephesians chapter number three and verse number 14. Thank you, Lord. Word of the Lord says, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Everybody say with me, exceeding abundantly. Say it again, exceeding abundantly. God bless you. You can be seated. This is a continuation of our series on where do I fit, finding my place in life, in relationships, and in the kingdom of God. Where do I fit? And the message that God would have us share today is exceeding abundantly. Too often we accept our current status as being the final status of our lives. And I, I, the first thing the Holy Ghost wants me to share with everybody is that where you are right now is not your final destination. It's not your final place. It's not your final stop in this life, nor is it your final stop in life as a whole. God always has more. I, I am always impressed with the progressive nature of God. That just when you think you have arrived, God shows you something else. 
Just when you think that you are blessed and favored and covered and protected, God shows you something else. Something else that he's doing, something else that he's about to do, something else that he's about to say. And I think that one of the things that we have to honestly do as believers is stop putting God in a box. Stop, stop telling folk, well, God don't do that. How do you know God don't do that if he's never done it before? Stop saying to a limitless God, an omniscient God, an omnipresent God, a God who the Bible says, his word says he's unsearchable. How can you, with your finite intellect, say that God just won't do that? God's about to do some things and use some people and work some things that are going to astound some of us, especially those of us that have this very narrow perspective of what God is able to do. And, and I need us to really ask ourselves this legitimate question, which is, do we really understand God's intent for us? Because coming to the place of knowing where you fit is understanding where God wants you to be. And, and so often, because we've been in one place for so long, doing one thing the same way, we honestly think that is all there is to what God's going to do. And, and, and especially if you're past your teens and past your 20s, and if you're feeling like you're aging and, and you're becoming a middle-ager or a senior or what have you, you will start to believe that that's all God has for you. But, but when I look at this word, I understand that God steps in almost anywhere to do what he wants to do. God has done things in the lives of young people. Moses, however, was 80 years old when God called him. 80 years old. I'm not going to ask how many of you are 80. You don't have to raise your hands, but I know some of you are. But yet God, and I need you to understand that just because you're 80 doesn't mean that you're finished. Because God has you here for purpose. Just because you're 50, it doesn't mean that you're finished. God has you here for purpose. And you need to begin to search in the spirit and in the word, what is God's true intent for your life? I started reading this morning, and as I began to read, I got more and more excited. I, I started reading in Genesis chapter 1, and, and, and this is Father's Day, so some of my comments might be directed to fathers and, and to people in general. But when I read this in Genesis, it, it, it really struck me. Genesis chapter 1, go with me there, verse 27, where the Bible says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. He created man. He made man out of nothing, taking nothing but dust, forming it into a statue, and then breathing into that statue what we call the breath of life. And, and, and it was more, saints, please understand, it was more than oxygen because oxygen already existed because the birds were breathing the oxygen. The, the fowl were breathing the oxygen. The, the cattle was breathing oxygen. So when God breathed into man, it was more than air. It was spirit that he breathed into man. Nomos, spirit. And so when God breathed into man, he breathed into man part of himself, his intellect, his insight, his self-determination. He breathed that into man when he created man in his own image. The image of God is not the physical it's not the physical, it's the spiritual that is the image of God. 
and he breathed that into man, and man became, the Bible says, a living soul. Then the Bible says, look at verse 28 in Genesis chapter 1, he blessed them. This this struck me. I was born to be blessed. Okay, that that, that missed some of y'all. Everybody should be screaming right now. I was born to be blessed. I wasn't born to be cursed. I wasn't born to be the, the back in the back of the bus. I wasn't born to a negative life. I was born to be blessed. Because when God made man, he did what? He blessed man. He told him to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue the earth. That means I was made to run stuff. I don't know who I'm talking to. But I was made to be in charge. Come on, somebody. I was made to call shots. I was made to self-determine some things. I was made to set direction. That's why you have the desire to make decisions because you were made to make decisions. I was made to have dominion, to be in control of things, and not to be controlled by things, but to control things. That was God's intent for me. I was made. I'm I'm answering the question, what does God intend? Look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verse 13, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. Oh, God, I was made to be in front. Come on, somebody. I'm not trying to be cocky or proud or arrogant, but I was made to be the head and not the tail. If you wagon, you in the wrong place. Lord, help me preach this because I was made to be the head and not the tail, to be above only and not to be beneath. And all that comes in the context if I'm willing to hearken, to hear, and to obey the voice of God. Because you need to understand that your ability, I need you to get this, your ability to lead is predicated on your ability to follow. Thank you, mother. Your ability to lead is predicated on your ability to follow. Some people will never lead because they never learn how to follow. You just trying to you trying to run stuff and you won't listen to anybody and wonder why nobody will trust you with control. Because if you can't be trusted, trusted to follow, you can't be trusted to lead. And if you won't follow God, who in the world can you lead? Who in the world can you give instruction to if you won't take instruction from the God of glory? But he says, I'll make you the head and not the tail. Thou should be above only, thou should not be beneath. If that thou do what? Hearken. Until the voice of the Lord thy God. Somebody's going to obey their way into greatness. Okay, y'all missed that. Somebody's going to obey their way into greatness. Just by obeying the voice of God, he's going to elevate you. He's going to expand your territory. He's going to enlarge your life. And it's going to come as a function of being able to do what? Obey the voice of God. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 7. Thou madest him. A little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. God made all of this stuff, and he didn't put it in the hands of the orangutans, or the lions, or the tigers, or the bears. Oh my. He put it in the hands of humanity and said, You run my earth. You run this planet. You operate and lead on my behalf. 
put it in our hands. And he has put all things, listen to me, in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. In other words, everything in this earth should be under the control of humanity, under the guidance of God. Everything. We shouldn't be struggling for anything when everything's been put under our feet. Everything's been put under our feet. But Paul makes a very glaring observation. But yet we see not all things put under him. Why, when man was meant to have dominion, is he controlled by what he should control? Man was given dominion. But because of man's weakness, his flesh, his arrogance, his pride, what he should be controlling is controlling him. And then it's funny how we become the victims of the things we create. Hallelujah. We become the victims sometimes of our own success. We become the victims of addiction. And, 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 and a bottle is controlling us. Come on, somebody. And, 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 and drugs are controlling us. Promiscuity is controlling us. And attitudes and negativity is controlling us. When all of that stuff has been put where? Under our feet. Hallelujah. And so we find ourselves, instead of being in dominion, we're being dominated. But I came to bring some information to you. First thing I need to bring to you is that we are destined to live in God's favor. Anybody believe that? I am destined to live in God's favor. God's will is that my life be blessed. And if you're not living a blessed life, it's because you're not living in the will of God. I don't, I'm not talking about rich. I'm not talking about success every day. I'm talking about living under God's favor that even if something goes wrong, it works together for my good because I'm living in God's favor. Shataye, living in God. I'm destined to live in his favor. I told, you know, when, when I was about 18 years old, I went to college for the first time, went away from home, and I went on a fast. Went on a fast for five days. And at the end of the five-day fast, I was in prayer. And I had been saved since I was about nine years old. I was now 18, so I'd been saved nine years. But for the first time, even though I was saved, it was in that fast that I made the lifelong decision that I would live for God. Now, y'all don't want to be, y'all don't have to admit it, but sometimes after you got saved, you thought about doing some other things. Somebody be honest with me. Thought about doing some other things. But in that week of fasting, at the end of that fast, I said, Lord, and I made this commitment. I said, I'm going to live saved the rest of my life. I made that decision that for the rest of my life, I'm going to live saved. Oh God, and, I, and I came to tell you, God's kept me. I have not been perfect, but I've kept that vow to the Lord that I would live saved for the rest of my life. But here's what I, this was my covenant. I said, Lord, I'm going to live saved, but you have to make me a success. Oh, God. 
Now, I don't know if y'all say that sounds arrogant. No. You know why I said that? Because I sincerely believe that God does not sponsor failure. Oh, I believe it to my heart, to the core of my being, that when somebody surrendered to their, to their life to the Lord, they cannot fail because God does not sponsor failure. Yes, you might go through trials. You might have some tests. You might have some tribulations. But by the time it all comes out in the wash, you're going to live in the favor and the power and the presence of God. I believe that. I believe. I, I believe that I'm destined for favor. Anybody believe that? Tell somebody, I'm destined for favor. Oh, God. You know what? You can be jealous. You can hate on me all day long. But when God puts his hand on your life, your life has to be favored. I believe that we are destined to live in power. Power of the Holy Ghost. Living inside of us. There shouldn't be any level of weakness that controls us when we live in the power of God. I believe that we are destined to live in authority. And what does authority mean? But that I have the power, listen to me, to speak those things that are not as though they were. I wish everybody in the house would just say something that you want to see God do in your life. Come on, don't be afraid to say it. Don't be afraid to say it. Because Jesus said, if you say what you have, oh God, if you would have the courage to say it, that's why the enemy wants you silent because as long as you're silent, nothing's happening. Don't you understand that part of being created in the image of God is that God was able to speak things into existence and y'all don't have to believe this, but he's passed on that same authority to believers that you can speak things into existence. A job that doesn't exist, a house that doesn't exist, people that don't know Christ coming to Christ. You can speak those things into existence by the authority of God. But our ability to speak is based upon what we know. Ask your neighbor, what do you know? Come on, ask them again. What do you know? And I discovered that there are four kinds of people in the world. There are people who are unconsciously incompetent, meaning that they don't know what they don't know. They're ignorant and don't even know they're ignorant. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Nothing worse than somebody who's ignorant and don't even know it. Spouting off like they know everything and know nothing. That's being unconsciously incompetent. You don't know it, and you don't even know you don't know it. That, that's stupid twice. Pardon me. <laughs> that's, that's stupid twice. That's stupid twice. You don't know it and don't even know you don't know it. But just spouting off like you do know it. You know, there's an old phrase that says, it's better to be silent and be thought a fool than to speak and erase all doubt. Once you start talking, people know what you don't know, even though you act like you know. Then there's people who are consciously incompetent. They, don't, they know they don't know what they need to know. 
And they are actively seeking to know because they understand, I don't know all I need to know. You know, that, that ought to be the quest of the believer. Lord, there's some things I still don't know that I need to know. And I'm searching for that knowledge. I'm searching for that deep place. And somebody, see, I, I need you, because a lot of us here have been saved a long time, but I never want you to get comfortable in what you think you know. I need you constantly searching to know more about God, to know more about his word, to know no, more about God's will in your life, because as long as you desire and hunger for knowledge, you will always be filled. But you got to know that you don't know. Then there are some who are unconsciously competent. You know more than you realize. And, it's, and sometimes it's not until you come under stress that you realize how much you really know. You thought you were just sitting there like a vegetable in Bible class. And then when you're pressed, all this word starts coming out of you. And you didn't realize how much God had planted in you. You thought you were just sitting there enjoying the aesthetics of the worship, and God is putting something in you that you're going to need to know later on. And then finally, there are those who are consciously competent. You know what that means? You know what you know. And nobody can make you doubt what you know. It doesn't matter what it looks like. doesn't matter what people say. In fact, you, you quote the song, you can't make me doubt him. Why? Because I know too much about him. I've had too many experiences with God that have enriched my life that now I know what I know. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. But I know what I know. I know in whom I have believed and I'm, I'm persuaded that he is what? Able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know what I know. Let me get to the text and I'm going to close. Paul closes this third chapter of the book of Ephesians with a prayer for the church. Follow me in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14 where he says, I bow my knee before the Lord Jesus Christ of whom all the whole family of heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. God needs your spiritual man to grow. Say that one more time. God needs your spiritual man to grow. He needs that inner man to grow. We're, you know, I, I watch the saints, and, 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 and I'm not hating on anybody because I'm privately trying to go back to the gym. I walk with my wife every day, and I'm, I've gone back to the gym, so I get it. And I love the pictures people take, them in the gym. They're showing their muscles. They're showing their quads. They're showing all that stuff. But if you took a picture of your spirit man, what would it look like? We can see your biceps. We see the definition. We see that you're cut. Come on, somebody. But if we took a picture of the inner man, the inner man would look like Popeye without his spinach. Come on, somebody. But Paul says, I'm praying that you be strengthened in the inner man. What is the level of your spiritual integrity? What is the level of your spiritual power? Because it comes from Christ dwelling, everybody say dwell, dwelling in your hearts. 
Dwelling means that this is not my only experience with Christ. If you're living every seven days out of what you get from 11 to 1, you are the weakest person in the body of Christ because God never intended that your experience be confined to Sunday morning. He wants to dwell with you. Oh, God, he wants to get up with you, lay down with you. He wants to walk with you through all your trials, tribulation. He wants to dwell. Anybody here have a relationship with God? He's not just somebody I meet occasionally, but I'm living with Christ, dwelling with him. And you can dwell with him to the point that you become rooted and grounded. Now, what does it mean to be rooted and grounded? It means I'm not easily moved. You can tell, you can tell the weakness in believers by what they do under stress. See, you know how strong your tree is on the stormy days. Sunshiny days, every tree looks strong. Every tree looks like it can stand for a thousand years. But when the wind starts blowing, limbs start breaking off. Come on, somebody. When the wind starts blowing, trees get uprooted out of the ground. Come on. These large oaks that you thought would live forever suddenly topple over because all they had was a look, but they really weren't rooted. But when you're rooted and grounded in God, when the stress comes, when the trial comes, when the storm is over, you find yourself still standing. Oh, God, see me after the storm if you want to know how strong I really am. See me after the wind blows, rooted and grounded in love. This, this part got me, that you might comprehend all the breadth, the length, the depth, and height. Paul says, search for the dimensions of God. You know, Deacon Taylor builds stuff, and so I've watched him measure. So Irwin, get out your tape measure and measure God. How tall is God? How long is God? How deep is God? How wide is God? And you know what? I started measuring this morning when I read this text, and I figured out that God is immeasurable. Okay, somebody missed that. Somebody missed that. I got out my tape measure, and I tried to measure the length, the depth, the height, the breadth of God, and I discovered that he is unsearchable. What are you saying, Bishop? That the God that you serve is limitless. If you found an end and a limit to God, you got the wrong God. But if it's the God that I serve, he's a limitless God. You can't measure him. You can't fathom him. You can't calculate him. He's a limitless God. Somebody open your mouth and say limitless. Woo, what did that mean? That means you can't put Gashatama. You can't put God in a box. You can't confine God to one situation. You can't tell me what God is not able to do. You can't tell me what's beyond the hand of God. You can't tell me what's beyond the reach of God because God is limitless. Now, when an ordinary person attaches themselves to a limitless God. 
Does God become limited or do you become limitless? I know this, this may not make you shout to the end. This is a thinking message. When you attach yourself to a limitless God, do you, does God become limited by you or does you or do you become limitless? I think I become limitless. That the moment I convince myself that God can do anything, I take on the persona that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Stop worrying about what you have told yourself you cannot do. Start tightening your grip on the God that you serve. Stop looking at the failures of your past. Stop looking at what has not worked for you in yesteryear and start to wrap yourself around the limitless nature of God that when I consume myself in God, I take on the ability of God manifested in my life. Oh God, I don't know who I'm talking to, but there's somebody that believes that because I serve God, I know he can do anything. Everybody lift your hands and say, Lord, you can do anything. Oh, God. Oh, God. Look at the person beside you and say, God can do anything. Oh, God. He's not limited, hashatama. He's not limited by my failure. God, help me in here. He's not limited by what I cannot do. He's not limited by how many times I messed up. When I wrap myself up in God, I develop the limitless nature of God. Talk to the men for a second. I got to quit, but I got to talk to the brothers for a second. Because men are success-oriented. That's the nature of a man. We want to succeed. We want to conquer. We want to overcome. And one of the hardest things for a man to get over is when he fails. Okay. Most of us fail, and right after failure comes quitting. Come on, somebody. Because we don't want to feel that feeling again. You know, I, I tried to play basketball when I was younger. And they were trying to teach me how to do a layup. And I went down the lane and threw my layup up. And it went up and started spinning on top of the backboard. And everybody saw it. And everybody laughed. And that was when I gave up on basketball. Because I never overcame the sense of failure. Some of you failed in a relationship, so you gave up on the relationship. Some of us failed as parents, so we gave up trying to be fathers. Some of us failed as husbands, so we gave up trying to be husbands. But I came to tell you to go back and try it one more time. 
But this time when you try it, wrap your faith not in your ability, but in the God that you serve. Because he'll make you the man, that you're supposed to be. God loves taking these lumps of clay and breathing on them and bringing life into them and saying, go back and try it one more time. Let me close. Because what the Lord told me to tell the saints today is that God is trying to raise your capacity. Oh, anybody believe that? Tell somebody, God's trying to raise your capacity. And it doesn't matter how many times you failed in the past. At this season, God's going to expand your territory. Oh, God, in this season, God's going to enlarge, oh, God, your borders. In this season, God's going to expand where you're supposed to be. And it doesn't matter how many times you failed yesterday. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in this day. I came to tell somebody that God lets you live past your failure. God lets you live past your lack of success. God lets you live past your downfall. And the fact that you're alive means there's another opportunity for God to work in your life. Anybody want to celebrate the fact that God has given me another chance? Yes, I failed before. I confess it in the house of God. I failed before. I came short before. But because God was merciful, he let me live to see today. And I'm not here to fail again. I'm here to step up and live. I'm here to step up and walk. I'm here to step up and survive. Come on and shout hallelujah. Come on, shout hallelujah. Testify to a neighbor and say, I failed, but he gave me another chance. Oh, hallelujah. I failed, but he gave me another chance. I came short. I sinned. I transgressed. But thank God, he gave me another chance. Shout hallelujah. My time has passed on. But here's my new confession. Even though I failed, he's able. Somebody shout, he's able. I'm finite, but he's able. I'm insufficient, but he's able. I'm sometimes contrary, but he's able. And now unto him that is able to do exceeding. I wish I had a believing church. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding, exceeding and abundantly, exceeding and abundantly, exceeding and abundantly, above all that you ask or even think. God's about to do something that's gonna blow your mind. You thought it couldn't happen. You thought it wouldn't take place. You thought it wouldn't manifest. But God is about to do something. God is about to do something that's going to blow your mind, expand your territory, enlarge your borders. Bless you coming in. Bless you going out. Bless you in the city. Bless you in the field. Bless your body. Bless your mind. Bless your soul. God! Come on, lift your hands, everybody. Say exceeding and abundantly. 
and abundantly. Exceeding and abundantly. I gotta quit. Come on. Come on, stand. Come on, stand. Come on, stand. Come on, stand. That you were blessed by this broadcast today. If you desire prayer or want more information about our church, please call us at 336-570-3664. Again, that's 336-570-3664. You can also go to our website for more information about our ministry at www.refugetemplenc.com. Again, that's www.refugetemplenc.com. Pastor Reginald and Lady Charity Davis and the Refuge Temple family would like to invite you to worship with us whenever you are in the Burlington area. If this ministry has blessed you, please write to us at P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C., 27215. That's P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C., 27215 or email us info at refugetemplenc.com. That's info at refugetemplenc.com. God bless you, and until next time, shalom, shalom. <laughs>